Hear the word of God. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. In the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now we do a recap. We pick it, off, pick it up now where we left off last time I was with you in Ephesians. And the admonition was given to us as we looked at what it is to walk forward and to not walk back. And we see a warning here in verse 17. It's a command, actually, that we should not live as we used to live and we ought not think as we used to live and think before Christ. That is not the way for the new creature in Christ. As we look at verse 17, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And the Gentiles would encompass everyone in this room before Christ. And there is an old way of living, old way of thinking, because of the condition that is in us in verse 18, how we were. We were darkened. In our understanding, that is the futility of your mind. A darkened understanding, excluded from the life of God. Void of the Spirit of God. Because of ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Speaking of the pagan Gentiles in the context where it was written, but applicable to all of us here at one time or another, before Christ. And the condition led to consequence. We see in 19... Practices that were ungodly. They having become callous, that hard heart had given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Whatever escalation your level of sin was, sin was your master before Jesus Christ. In that callous state, you were spiritually numb as you had this hardness of heart. And you gave yourself over to sinful practices. And in Romans 1... Paul tells us that sometimes God will give an unbeliever over as well. But there was a change. There was a turning point. There was a change in course. There was a change in your future. A change in your destiny. And there was a change in your mindset. And what we're going to examine today, that there is and ought to be a change in practice. Now we look at verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus. This is speaking of a saving knowledge. Not an intellectual knowledge, but a saving knowledge to learn Christ. God's truth for those who have learned Jesus Christ has changed you. It's changed your life. It's changed your, your inner disposition. Today it's changed you and it is something that is very present and it was instantaneous 
but it works itself out gradually. It's a saving knowledge. And what kind of change exactly are we speaking about here? Because people do change and many are making plans to change for a new year. What exactly happened to you? To what extent does someone in Jesus Christ change? For any man and woman be in Christ. They are a new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. And as we approach a new year, I'm very excited, and so are the elders and so many others, for the baptisms that we're going to see in the new year. Because baptism is this proclamation of newness, of a new creature in Christ proclaiming that I am new. And the baptism is very indicative of the content we're going to see in verses 22 and 24. Because when someone is baptized, to be immersed in the water is basically symbolic of saying, I'm dying with Christ to the old way of life. And coming out of the water is a picture of being raised to life in Jesus Christ. So, death to the old way, and then there's the new way in Christ. There is new life in Jesus Christ. But baptism does not give a person the salvation of the new life. Baptism does not give the new life, but it's symbolic of it. It's a declaration, an inner proclamation. How does one come to that place of, we saw in verse 20, that change, that truth? That comes from the new birth. And only from the new birth. It's not something you do, it's not something that is physical, it's not something that man creates, it's spiritual. It's not something born of flesh and blood or the will of man, but it's something born of God. Because flesh can only give birth to flesh, but what is of the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, God gives birth to this new life. And we spoke last time about in this difficult age, sometimes reminiscing and going back with nostalgia. And people can do that, but if you're in Jesus Christ, we don't look back. We look forward. The future, this new birth, will behold Jesus Christ sits on the throne, makes all things new. Revelation 21.5 We will reside in the new heavens and the new earth. So with the new birth, in the future, you will have a new home. You now have a new spirit. The new birth has given you a new heart. You have a new citizenship. You belong to a new kingdom. You belong to a new family, the family of God. And you've been born again to a new hope, a living hope. There's a new you, a new self. Praise God, we can't wait for that day. But not so fast. Because we are new now. And what we're going to look at today is the now of the new. And the new birth brings forth something else. It brings forth conflict. What kind of conflict? A conflict now between the old and the new. Be not amazed, be not surprised when the old and all the things derivative of the old, the body of sin and the flesh, want to raise itself up and creep back into your life. 
The Apostle Paul understood this all too well, and he wrote about it in Galatians 5. This conflict with the flesh and the spirit. And if you read Romans 6 and 7, there's much of the new, the life, as opposed to the old, which is symbolic of the death in those chapters as well. But the text is teaching us today to live out what many are going to declare and many have declared in the baptism. The old is dead and the new is alive. And this is going to come in the form of three things that we are going to do. So for today, we will focus on three things. Three steps, and you can consider this walking forward. Number one, in verse 22, we are to lay aside. Number, verse 23, to be renewed. And the third thing in verse 24, to put on. Let's begin. Verse 22. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Now notice the relationship here between a former manner of life and an old self. Now, these Gentiles were sinful people. But and to any extent, all of us, at one point or another, we too, to some degree, formerly lived within the lust of our flesh. Indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest of mankind. That was the old. That was the former. And we are all sinful to some extent, to some degrees. But some of you who in the sanctuary and listening to a message like this, some of you have come with more baggage. There's more to lay aside. You came to Christ maybe more sinful than some of the others here. I, I look at the young people. And you're in a great place. You're in a great place. You don't have so much to lay aside. And one of the advantages that we all have, and especially the young people, because people will tell you things as you go out into this world and you pursue college, some of you, in high school, that you've got to find out things for yourself. You've got to experience things. To some extent, that's true. But when it comes to laying aside sinful patterns of your old self, absolutely not. We have the benefit of learning from the mistakes of others. As it was spoken this morning, in Psalm 66, we can learn from Israel's mistakes. And many of the people that have made the mistakes we see in the Scriptures. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-10, to 10, we avoid the mistakes of Israel. We see how we deal with temptation, how it's not so strange. So regardless of however sinful you were, whatever it is you need to lay aside, there is much that we can learn and gather from the text today. So the manner of life, the old manner of life, was consistent with the old self. That's the relationship we see here. But who exactly is this old self? Well, it's who you were in Adam. That's a very simple answer, but that, that could, you could say a lot with that. It's you were void of the Spirit. The old self in Adam where the new is in Christ. Now, Paul uses the term two other times in the New Testament about this old self. I'm going to read it for you. In Romans 6, 6, he says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin may, might be done away with, 
so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So there it's saying crucified past tense. Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside, that's past tense too, the old self with its evil practices. This is part of the already not yet tension also in the New Testament. You are already saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. You are not who you will be. So the sinful nature of the old self is often derived. We see the flesh and the body of sin. And that condition lingers with you. You are a new creature in Christ. But that condition lingers with you. Now the character of this old self here. It says being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. It's spiritually corrupt. And I want to explain something to you. There is no reforming the old self. There is no armistice now where you could rehabilitate the old self and live in the new. No, it is the new all the way. But the old self is stubborn. And the flesh in the body of sin. It could be a real nag. What does it want? It wants sin. It's like a child carrying on sometimes. How it raises itself up and you think... Just put a pacifier in the child's mouth and it'll calm down. But no, the more you give the old self and the sin, the more craving, the more, the more it wants, it seems sometimes. It's experiential and it's subjective. But I find, that, I find that to be the case. And understand that the old self is incompatible with the new nature. Consider what Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed or imperishable but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So the new nature, the new birth is of an incorruptible seed. So practical steps need to be taken to lay aside. What do we do? We lay aside. It can also see in some of your translations, put off. Put off the old self. Now this was done when you were saved. This is already done. This is a past tense. But we are to maintain this new life in Christ. Now this idea of lay aside or put, put off can mean to strip off or remove dirty clothes. Strip off or remove a jacket that no longer fits. Strip off or remove an article of clothing that is not no longer who you are. So you may see some clothes. Hey, you like this dress? It's nice, but it's not you. It's not you. And it's not nice. It's something that you need to take off. So Paul goes a step farther when dealing with the old man and the derivatives of the old man, the body of sin and the flesh. He says, flee from youthful lust. This is of the old man. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2.22. So we see flee. Okay, We see lay aside, but then we also see flee. He goes a step farther in Colossians 3.5. In the ESV says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. It speaks about all types of sin. And therefore, consider the members of your earthly body dead to these sins in the NASB. So, being born, the new birth, necessitates that something has died and something must die continually. And we see in Romans 8, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, Romans 8.12, so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin 
as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members of, in, of instrument, instruments of righteousness to God. So we see, we see in the New Testament, flee, put off, crucify, mortify, kill, put to death. Again, there is no armistice here. There is no peaceful cohabitation. You must lay aside. And to lay aside takes discipline. It takes discipline. The Christian life takes discipline. Paul writes to Timothy, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. 1 Timothy 4.7 The old self does not desire godliness. So what do we do? Well, it will not produce godliness. And a quote by John Owen in dealing with the flesh of the old self. Quote, The axe is to be laid to the root of the tree. The deeds of the flesh ought to be mortified in their causes from whence they spring. So you've got to lay aside, you've got to put to death all of these things. But the passage tells us that there may be times when we have seen change in, in, in Ephesians, the text throughout tells us that we've seen change and we are already new. The old self has died. So then what is the problem? Again, the old self will want to rise up and be not deceived, be not mistaken, be not surprised. That is why we need to lay it aside. Okay, so that is step one. We lay aside the old self. We put on the new, right? There's something else that the Apostle Paul tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to do before we do that third step. So now that we are new, step two is that we be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And this has already happened as well. We are not recreating this. We are not creating this. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If you are a Christian here today and born again of the spirit of God, you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 It's God who initially renews your mind. And it gives you a new spiritual and moral capability. He renews your thoughts, your attitudes. And it's a transformation. But the renewing of the mind... And the renewing of the entire character is an ongoing process. And God does it. God does it. Let me give you an example. 2 Corinthians 3.18 We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit. So the renewal continues in our life. But we're also called to work out what God has worked in us. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. So, when we are obedient to the Word of God, and one of the resources of a renewing mind and spirit of your mind is prayer as well. When we are praying to spiritual disciplines, but if they are neglected, you will see that old self and the derivative of the old self rise up. The old self is dead, but the body of sin in the flesh is not. So the spirit of our mind, what is, what is that? The mind and the heart are often synonymous, and this is the controlling center of our being. 
It's the center of our being. The Holy Spirit performs this action and we are to walk in this. So this renewal. So let's make a consideration. Now, Paul writes in Romans 6, we must firmly establish this in our mind, what we already read in Romans 8 as well, to consider ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ our Lord. Remember the baptism. Down, dead, coming up, alive in Christ. Consider that. Consider that. Now the place we are to renew our mind. God has done this, so what do we do? Well, there's several things. We see the reality of this world continuing to shape us into its image still exists. That's why Paul writes in Romans 12 too, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Also, Peter writes, considering the mind, in 1 Peter 1.13, therefore gird, gird, be defensive, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And very similar to what we already read, Peter says this in verse 14, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Many battles are won and lost in the mind. So consider what we are focusing, what you are focusing your mind on. Colossians 3. We hear this from our brother Mark quite a bit, and it's so very important. If you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. What do we do? We set our minds on things above, not on the earth. Set your mind on the Scriptures. Set your mind on God. And Paul writes in Philippians 4, 8 and 9, to meditate on these things. What things is he speaking about? You can look that up for yourself, but these things that are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate. Meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do in the peace of God will be with you. So we see this word meditate. The Bible has the word meditate in it? Yes, it does. Meditation is an active part that we can play to renew the spirit of our minds. And again, it takes commitment. It takes discipline. How does one meditate? Well, it's scriptural repetition. Where some meditation, many people would think meditation is the emptying of oneself In the Christian world, biblical meditation is the filling of oneself. You're filling yourself with the Word of God, and it's a a consistent process of renewal. And certainly there is things to meditate on and to chew on, but where do we go for this meditation? Do we just sit still and whatever comes into our mind? No, that's not the case. We go to the Word of God. And I'll give you an example. How do we do step two? Well, Scriptures commands us to meditate. And we can meditate in three areas. Number one, we go to God's Word. Joshua 1.8, 
The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. You want to be a blessed person? You meditate. Psalm 1-2. His delight, or her delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, the Word of God, they meditate day and night. You meditate on the Word of God. You meditate on the characteristics of God. You meditate on the attributes of God. This infinite, amazing God. The one true God. We meditate on God. We meditate on His promises. His thoughts and intentions towards His people. We meditate on His good works. Those are all areas that we can meditate upon And in doing so, we will renew the spirit of our minds. Because we need to transform our thinking regularly. And there's something else that we need to do with our minds, is to take thoughts captive. Paul and the New Testament has a lot to say about the renewing of the mind and the work of the mind. And how the mind operates. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we are to destroy speculations or arguments. And every lofty thing that... raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do we do that how we ought? The answer probably is no. To take thoughts captive. To stop and say, wait a minute, no good. No, you you don't belong here. You have no place here. This is not... No, no, no. Instead, do you remove that thought with a biblical thought? I think that's something that we could all do better and it's something that for us to focus on. Now there's a lot of talk in this time of year and we see about boosting our immune systems. And it's very important that we do that. And the mind essentially in many ways is the spiritual immune system. And we are susceptible, especially today, to many ideological viruses that are out there. So do not be conceived deceived. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Renew the spirit of your mind. Because right thinking corresponds with right living. Now when we looked at verse 18, we saw what the mind was prior to what it now is. Old and new. The old, the mind was full of darkness. We would wander from the life of God and we would harden our hearts. There was an ignorance There was darkness and ignorance, void of the Spirit, and void of biblical truth. So, it's very important. Now, when a warning. When sin is tolerated in the mind, we sometimes become numb to it. And we sometimes can become, I said this to you last time, somewhat calloused. Not as the unbeliever, but we start to get dull in our Christian walk. So, we see now that there is a contrast here. The slow tendency of compromise. Before you know it, we are not moving forward, but we're staying where we are and sometimes slowly going backwards. It's like walking uphill on a sheet of ice. We're trying to go, 
But when the mind is not right, we're not making the progress we need to make. God works in us, but we have a duty to renew our minds as well. All right, so we saw laying aside is something we do and in the, to accomplish this third destination here, this third step, we lay aside the old manner of life and the old practices. We must be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Now let's look at number three, verse 24. We put on the new self. The new self, which is in the likeness of God. That's a strong statement right there. The new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So who is this new person? That is who you are in Christ. It's created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now what do we do with this person? Well, the contrast was made to put off. Now we put on this person and consider a jacket. Consider putting off the old jacket. I cannot put this, nor can you put the, this jacket on if I've got the old jacket underneath. It's just not going to fit. It's not who you are. But there may be times when we will attempt to keep the old jacket on, the old clothes on. And sometimes it's almost as if we go back into the garbage and pick up the old jacket that's already ripped up and thrown out. It can be that way. It's no longer useful to us. It's no longer pleasing to God and it's no longer indicative of who we are. That's not who we are. We've got to wear what fits. The new self, the new jacket fits. And you were made new instantaneously, but the process is gradual. And sometimes the Holy Spirit acts as a tailor and he has to put it in and he has to fit it in the course. But it fits. It fits who you are. And it must be worn. So the three steps are to be considered and our duty, and essentially this is the process of sanctification. It's God who does and wills for his good pleasure, but we are to work out what he's worked in, and he is changing us. He is changing us. So very important. So to be sanctified is to be set apart from God. But we're called to do our part. Now, We have maybe made some plans for the upcoming year. There's an active duty, now that you are new, to work out this, what we are speaking about, and to put on the new self. Regardless of your state of maturity, this is a one-size-fits-all for everyone. To put off, to lay aside the old, and to put on the new. And in doing so, we will maintain a forward walk and not walk backwards. Somebody here, some person here listening may feel new. I would ask you this. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Anyone could feel new. Anyone can make a couple of changes. Anyone could maybe get sober. Anyone could do the things that people do and change. You could change your political affiliations. You could change your opinions. But lasting change, eternal change, only comes with the new birth. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you experienced the new birth? 
Have you got this new nature? Do you feel that tension between the old and the new? This is something that we have to answer. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone, and that's a question that we ought to answer. For others who have experienced this new birth, when are you going to get baptized? The next step is to be baptized. Now the Christian, you are new, you have a new nature as well, and Peter calls it a divine nature. We saw in verse 24, I'm going to read that again because I want to, you to see how, this, how, how incredible this is. Put on the new self which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And Peter writes about the new nature as well. He calls it a divine nature. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world by lust, having escaped the old. That's not who you are. We ought to put on the new self created in righteousness and holiness. Praise the Lord. Now that we are new, we must wear what fits. We must be who we are. We must be who we shall be. And that is the process in closing, we are not to return to the old, to a life in Adam. Not to return to the ignorance, the darkness that we saw. We've been transferred out of that darkness into the kingdom, new kingdom of light. We are to walk as children of light. It's like riding up an escalator to go back. It's like riding up an escalator and then walking backwards. It makes no sense. And it's even dangerous. But unfortunately, sometimes we entertain these old desires. I have a question for you. If that's you, why is it that you entertain these old desires and maybe they've got a, some kind of a stronghold and some kind of a, a presence in your life that is no longer warranted or merited? Why is that? Is there a comfort for you in going back to that familiar place uh, is there a fear of the unknown? Is there a fear where the Lord may take you? That's another question to ask. What do you think that is? If, in fact, you find yourself going back more often than you ought. We ought to never, but I do understand we are not yet perfect. One of the keys to this whole process of the putting off, laying aside the old and the new is the mind, is the second one is the middle process. Your mind must be your servant. You're either going to serve your flesh or you will serve your, the spirit, the things of God. One of the things we need to do as we looked at renewing of our minds is speaking truth to ourselves each day. Is that neglected? You will probably have a problem with the right mind, renewing the mind. There are so many other voices that we say all the time, but yet we do entertain them. I can say that again next time. You will find yourself entertaining other voices. So that is where the thoughts have to be taken captive, and that is where the meditation must come in, and those thoughts must be replaced with the new. We ought to practice this daily.
Strongholds, if that's you, do not happen overnight. It was a process. And the way to renew your mind also is the process. You will start to renew your mind, you will start to be disciplined, and you will start to see over time a momentum start to carry forward. You will see transformation if you are born again. It will happen. It will happen, no question. So to keep this forward walk going, now that you are new, get into the daily habits. Very simple. I don't have any rabbits out of a hat. Get into the Word of God. Be around other believers and pray. Renew your mind. Daily examine yourself. Examine the thoughts that you're thinking. Stop them. Press the button. Stop them. There's so many daily disciplines that we can neglect. And we are in a world that is extremely ungodly. And if we neglect this, we will be assailed with ungodliness. So this is a doing exercise that I'm giving you here. And God does and has already done. It's done. It is finished. We looked at where we will be in the new heavens. We looked at how that shall be when we were glorified. We looked at that some weeks ago, some months ago. We will see Him as He is. But now that you are new here in the now, I'll close with James 1, 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. He was. What kind of person were you before Jesus Christ? I remember who I was. What kind of person who you? You could look back, but like I told you last time, we're not called to go back. And the text serves as a warning, as the truth we've learned here today will translate and manifest into behaviors that we'll see, God willing, next time. Let's close in prayer and let's give thanks to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I want to give thanks to you, Lord, for every person here, Lord. Every new creation. Every human being, Lord, that you've transferred out of darkness into your light. Every person that was in Adam, that was dead, is now alive in Christ. And they have eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your transforming power. We're grateful for it. But Father, you are well acquainted and touched with our infirmities, our weaknesses. You know our frame, but we are but dust. And therefore, we would ask, Lord, that you would help us. Help us do these three steps. To lay aside the old manner of life and the old self. Help us, Lord. Give us the desire to pick up that word of God and renew our minds and pray. And Father, let us embrace this new life full throttle, Lord, wholeheartedly. For we are new in Christ. And now that we are new, Lord, we go into a new year. And Father, may we pursue the things we've learned, whether it be two years from now, three years, whether you tarry, whether it be an hour from now, Lord. 
Let us pursue this new life because that's who we are in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you're so patient with us, Lord. You don't just tolerate us, Lord, but you change us. And you bless us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you all.